Good morning. Welcome to Gateway Online. 244 years ago yesterday, the American colonies declared their independence from Britain and her king and started the adventure of creating a whole new nation. The result is, I believe, the greatest nation in the history of the world. She was conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all people were created equal under God. Now, we've been painfully reminded throughout our history that this liberty and equality has not always been offered in exactly the same measure to every kind of person. But in spite of her faults, America continues to advance toward her lofty goals. So while we don't ignore the criticism and we don't abandon the advancement toward self-improvement, we also should acknowledge the beauty of the vision and of what's been accomplished so far. And we're allowed, I think, an annual self-congratulations and celebrations. So, Happy birthday, America. Uh, you know, we Americans have always valued our independence from the very beginning, obviously. It, it's part of our DNA, I think. And, and I'll bet that those of you who are not born here can feel it in the water here. Our first constitutional improvements outlined and secured our individual rights. We highly value our personal property, our personal possessions, our freedom of personal choice, even our personal space. We admire the can-do spirit of the rugged individual and the perspiration of the self-made person. Those are our heroes, and those are the kind of qualities that have made this country great. By the way, the Bible also values these things. For example, uh, Joshua in the Old Testament challenged the children of Israel to, quote, choose this day whom you will follow individually, make a choice. And then in a charge that would make any American proud, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or Jeremiah 1.5 and Psalm 139 remind us that God knew us individually before we were even born. In fact, he crafted us to be exactly the kind of individuals we are. Again, we're told in, in many places individually to do good as individuals. And, and as a point of highest priority, we're challenged to love God as individuals, and secondarily, to love our neighbors. Again, individually we're to do this. Plus, we're told that we are to owe no debt to anyone, which builds on the value of independence. And ultimately, the Bible isn't shy in reminding us that we will each die individually and face judgment independent of anyone else's influence. So the, value, the Bible values our independence and our individuality, but it values something else even more, our interdependence. In fact, I think it would be fair to say that our interdependence and the relational network that our inter interdependence creates is the Bible's highest priority for us. I mean, okay, God created Adam and Eve as individuals, certainly. But Genesis 1.27 actually says, quote, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's as if this image of God really expressed itself in their male and femaleness, in their interdependence even. And don't forget, God created them to be fruitful and multiply. So in a sense, he was always interested in a people. God called Abram as an individual, but he intended to make out of him a people. Who would, who would worship and, and who would be dedicated to God. And Jesus came individually to save individual sinners from a life apart from God. But God created out of Jesus a body, a people, a movement of interdependence, a relationship network that we call the church. 
So on this day, on America's Independence Sunday, I want us to celebrate our radical, deep-seated, all-in interdependence. Again, I'm arguing here that this is God's highest priority for us. So let's listen up. As we dig into the passage that Jordan and Grace read for us, we're going to see three critically important big picture truths about the relational network we're in. First truth, we're going to see that our relational network is of utmost importance. Again, this is that highest priority idea, both to God and should be to us. Secondly, we're going to see that our personal growth depends on the effective operation of our relational network. And third truth, our personal stability depends on it as well. So, Paul begins this teaching in Ephesians 4 by saying, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Epic. Now, with that as the introduction, we know that what follows is going to be of supreme importance, right? What follows is going to get at the very heart of what it means to be a Christ follower. And what does he start with? So imagine sitting down with your children. Imagine further, you don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't even know when you'll see them next. You've given them some super important idea about how God relates to us and how we should relate to God. And now you want to circle around to some of the most important things for them to know in the living of their lives. So where do you begin? Well, Paul, being inspired by God, begins with underscoring the importance of their relational network. Be completely humble and gentle, Paul says in verse 2. Not just humble and gentle, Paul needs to amplify it. Be completely humble and gentle. And be patient, he adds. But that's not enough. This is too important. Again, he needs to amplify. Bearing with one another in love. I mean, this patience is going to require some serious load bearing. And then the summary, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Greek word spaudadzo is an amplifier all by itself. It means to do one's absolute best. This is not a mail-it-in kind of effort. This is a make-every-effort kind of affair. And the unity that we're, we're throwing our best effort at, notice from that verse, we don't have to make it. It's the work of God's Spirit among us. He creates the unity, but we have to throw our best effort at keeping it. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul isn't finished, is he? He ends the paragraph with a crescendo of relational network unity. Listen, there's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. This is of utmost importance. Our unity, our oneness, our together in the spiritness is of utmost importance. Let's not realize Paul doesn't use the word that we so often speak of here at Gateway. He, he doesn't use the word community, but that's what he's talking about. He doesn't use the word church, but that's what he's talking about. Our relational network, this great oneness into which we've been planted, it requires complete humility and gentleness. It requires load-bearing patience. It requires our best all-out effort. It is of utmost importance. Because, second truth, 
Our personal growth depends on the effective operation of our relational network. Now, Paul is speaking specifically here about our spiritual growth and our capacity to represent Christ. But it's not a leap to recognize that our whole person growth depends on this network. All right, he begins this part in verse 7 by acknowledging the work that God does in each of us individually. God moves in us. God makes a deposit in our lives. Paul literally says grace has been given to each one of us. And, and it is given, by the way, to the proportion and exactly the way that Christ deems. And then down in verse 11, Paul makes a short list of some of the graces that God deposits in people. His lists actually is, is some of the front of the crowd kind of ways that God works. So there are some who have had God stir into them the ability to be an apostle. Others have developed into prophets or evangelists. In others, God's grace leaks out in pastoring or teaching. And in most cases, these leaders, these are leader kinds of gifts, and, and, and they're certainly upfront gifts, as I said. And again, these are individuals in whom God is working individually, but that work in each individual is for the good of the whole relational network. Verses 12 and 13 offer a gigantic purpose statement that makes this clear. All of this happens, all of this individual working of God happens in these individuals, Paul says, quote, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Wow! First of all, notice that from that passage, I cannot attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ alone. It's not an individual activity. It is an interdependent affair. And I cannot reach maturity or really know the Son of God without you working into my life. I need my relational network to operate the way it's supposed to operate, specifically. I need you to take what God has deposited in your life and use it to advance me and my life. And I need to do the same in return for you. God has not worked in my life for my ends. He has worked in me for our ends and the same with you. We have to function effectively, meaning I use the grace deposited in me for us. And you use the grace deposited in you for us. We have to function like this if we're going to grow. My personal growth and your personal growth depend on how effectively our relational network works. Let me offer a weird illustration of our interdependence, if I can. I want you to think of an atom, A-T-O-M, atom. Webster's Dictionary defines an atom as the smallest part of an element capable of existing alone or in combination. It's the smallest point at which the elements of nature are still themselves. It's the most basic level of reality. I need to let you chew on that for a minute. <laughs> All right. If you try to reduce matter to its smallest part, atoms are the last place where the essential quality of a thing still exists as that thing. In other words, one atom of sulfur is still sulfur. One atom of carbon is still carbon. Atoms are not the smallest element in nature. They're made up of electrons, protons, and neutrons. 
but an electron from carbon from a carbon atom does not maintain the properties of carbon by itself. It is simply an isolated electron, which never exists in nature, by the way. The same with a proton and a neutron. Carbon is defined by the number of electrons and protons and neutrons in each of its atoms. And by, and by the way, they're held together. The individual electron depends on the other electrons and the right arrangement of protons and neutrons in order to be carbon. Can you kind of see the point of this weird illustration? The Bible doesn't know anything about an individual independent Christian. That's like an independent electron. We are Christian by virtue of our interdependence. And my growth depends on me being rightly aligned with other electrons and protons and neutrons to whom God has called me. My personal growth depends on the effective operation of my relational network. I can't do it alone. I can't grow Christ in me. I can't become the husband, father, neighbor, and friend I long to be. I, I can't work out some of my character flaws that I'm constantly reminded of without you. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says this. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Evidently, the author knows that we can't keep ourselves on track without the help of others. Our growth depends on the effective operation of our relational network. And Paul's final truth. Third, our personal stability depends on the effective operation of our relational network. Listen to how Paul puts it. In verse 14, he says, Then, meaning, you know, when we're operating like we should be and our gifts are being used for one another, then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and, and cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. That is, when our relational network is operating effectively, we will be secure. We will be stable in what we believe, in what we hope for, in our aims and in our goals, in how we manage our lives. We will be secure. We will be stable. We'll not be tossed back and forth. And he ends this whole section in verses 15 and 16 by reiterating the big idea. He says this, instead of being childish and blown here and there, he says, we will speak the truth in love and we will grow up into him who is the head, that's Christ, by the way, from him, the whole body joined and held together, right? The individual valued individual parts into whom God is pouring his activity, but held together intimately and intricately like a body held together by every supporting ligament. And that those ligaments, that's you and me. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. In other words, when I'm participating in a relational network that is operating effectively, then I will be secure. I will be stabilized and I will grow. All right. At the risk of beating a dead horse, what do I mean when I say relational network? Well, I've already leaked this, but let me repeat. And, and let me start with the obvious. The first member of my relational network is Diane, my wife. She's also the prettiest network member. So let me say a word about that relationship. Here's the thing about Diane and me. The longer we've been married, 
the more I've realized that she's my friend, that she's my lover, she's my counselor, but the most significant aspect of our relationship is that she's my sister in Christ. So Diane is part of my church. Again, Paul doesn't use the word community here. He doesn't use the word church here, but that's what he's talking about. That's the relational network that requires our best effort. That's the relational network in, within which our growth and our security happen, on which our growth and our security depend. Paul is addressing this letter to a church, talking to them about their relationships with one another as a church. Those relationships are of utmost importance. It's the first thing that came to his mind when he decided to get practical. And he amplified every aspect of what he said. This is of utmost importance and our personal growth and our stability, our security depend on it. Okay, so let me wrap up with a thought bomb and then we'll apply Paul's truths to that thought bomb and then a couple of pressing questions. Did you follow that? So the thought bomb first. I went to a seminar for church leaders several years ago and one of the plenary speakers was an author who is one of those uh, people who's part sociologist, part futurologist, part think tank kind of person. So he made this incredible observation that has stuck with me over the years. He suggested that medical advances being what they are, many of us are going to be living and moderately active as a rule into our early 90s. So he suggested we should begin to think of our lives and talking to leaders, he said, train our folks to think of their lives in thirds. So the first third is about training. The second third is about family and career. And the final third can be given fully to the kingdom of God. There's some wisdom in that, isn't there? So let's use that model for a minute and apply Paul's truth to ourselves. That means that those of you who are under 30, 31, 32, your focus is training. So finish school, get your master's, get those certifications, get some early experience on the job, learn about yourself. Paul would gladly affirm, but he would add, don't snooze on your relational network. It is of utmost importance. Ultimately, your personal growth and stability over the long run depend on it. Don't get lazy about it. Don't get distracted. Make every effort, even now, especially now, because you're setting the table for the rest of your life. Those of you who are 32, 33, up to 60, if you're working, do well at your job. Work with diligence. Make good money. The Bible teaches these things with regularity. And if you're at home with kids, nurture great human beings. And by, by all means, love your spouses if you're married. And, and both of you, raise good kids if you have them. The rest of us are counting on you. But don't snooze on your relational network. In fact, your spouse and your kids are really just the most important part of your church. Don't get lazy. Don't get preoccupied. Don't let your schedule run you. Investing in your relational network must be your first investment. Your personal growth and your stability depend on it. Make every effort right now. Lean in. And those of you who are over 60, and I think this also applies to, to those of us who feel sidelined by, by illness or by some other circumstance. Listen. You're not too old, you're not too sick, you're not too tired, you're not of no use. These are the most productive years emotionally and spiritually. You've got to be leaning into those who are behind you. 
sometimes putting in the effort that they can't. Hey, forget retirement. We've got too much to do. Oh, you might quit your job, but take the graces that God has deposited in you and put them to full-time use. Make every effort. It's just too important not to do so. Okay, so uh, let's end today by answering a couple of questions. First of all, um, what does it mean to be church? Now, this is a especially interesting question in light of the last four months, isn't it? Well, uh, being church means all of Paul's truths here in Ephesians 4. Nothing more and nothing less, right? Nothing more, meaning we can forget all the institutional stuff. That, that stuff is just the window dressing that supports the real work of the relational network. Church is the effort you and I put into keeping the unity that God has established between us. It is you being patient with me because patience is required. It is us loving one another. It is me operating in humility and gentleness. It is you bringing your grace deposit and giving it to me while I give what God has placed in me to you. It is us growing together more and more like Christ, more and more mature. It is me becoming a better husband and father and pastor because you've worked on me. It is you becoming a better you because I've worked on you. That's it. That's church. Nothing more, but also nothing less. It's not occasionally attending a Sunday morning gathering. It's an all-out effort invested in a relationship network. Okay, for our second question, let's get practical, Gateway. Uh, we have planned to begin gathering again at 42350 Tall Cedars Parkway on Sunday mornings. So why are we getting back together? Or as some people might be asking it, why in the world are we getting back together? Given everything you've said about church, Ed, and given that we're still in a global pandemic, why? Well, first of all, I want to assure you that we are staying in touch with what Virginia health officials and the CDC are saying, and we will always operate in full submission to their recommendations. We're also listening to you and your concerns. For example, I know many of you are still uncomfortable with the idea of getting together with a crowd, especially indoors. In some cases, you simply cannot because you're caring for aging parents or you're personally vulnerable or you're pregnant. It's not, it, it's not only fine for you to stay away right now, but, but you'd be very unwise to act otherwise. And as a result of hearing from you, we've decided that we do not need to return to our two services. We will have one service here at 42350 Tall Cedars Parkway beginning July 19th at 1030. One service. 10.30, July 19th, which allows us to keep the same time we've been using for the last four months, by the way. Plus, we'll continue to offer the online service just like this. In addition, we've said before, we're encouraging any of you who would like to gather with others but want to keep your gathering to 10 people or less. We're, we're going to organize and support live watch parties. You're not less spiritual if you're uncomfortable getting with others. And the church, as Paul has described it, is not inhibited by these circumstances. In, in fact, the church throughout history has, has been through much worse than this and thrived. However, this is not a time to set our connections to one another on a shelf. There is no such time. This is a time for our best efforts. So when you wonder how someone is, call them or email them. As you engage your own devotional life, be open to what God might want you to say to someone else. 
as someone comes to your mind. Pray for them. In other words, make every effort. All right. So having said all of that, Ed, why are we getting back together? Because relationship is a full contact sport. That's part of the reason why the author of Hebrews said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So we're going to be constantly trying to inch forward, not because we want to return to normal, but because our relational network is of utmost importance. And look, if we have to retreat this fall because of circumstances related to the virus, we will. We know how now. So in reference to regathering with us at 42350 Tall Cedars Parkway or gathering for a live watch party, do what's best for yourself and your family. But when it comes to church, don't snooze, don't retreat, make every effort. It's too important. You're too busy to not have community. You need it too much. You've got too many things coming at you from too many different directions. Your stability depends on it. You need, you need to get better with, with your anger or with your anxiety or with your depression. Your growth depends on it. And God has invested too much in you for just you. You're too important. Make every effort. I don't know what the takeaway is for you from today, but I believe there is one. I believe there's some very practical make every effort step that you and I need to take. An email, a call, a socially distanced visit, a prayer time, an invitation, an apology, an encouragement, a gift. You know, the atom literally cannot be changed or destroyed in any natural chemical reaction. The relationship inside the atom is so powerful the, the unity of it is so compelling. Well, the breakage of that unity is what causes an atomic bomb. That's kind of how it is when Christian marriages or Christian friendships or Christian churches break apart. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there's one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for having been included by you into yourself, into fellowship with you, and also included into a relational network that can nurture us, that can grow us, that can poke us, that can encourage us, can prod us, that can correct and challenge us. Father, I want to pray very specifically that for each one of us, every, every heart listening this morning, that you will speak a specific step-in advice, specific make-every-effort instructions, that you would call us to the next level of investment, of involvement. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.